Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Welcome into Basketball by Association, episode 41, by the way. Glad to have you guys aboard here at this uh, pirate ship. We're having a good time rolling through the waters. And the NBA season has begun. Not in earnest because we all watched and we all paid attention. Uh, my name is Arky. That is Joel Cordes. Joel, what's up, my man? I actually did my job. I came prepared. Episode 41 is the Dirk Nowitzki episode because yeah. we, can't re- we can't really go in any other direction here. You know, unlike last week where you decided to go the anti-hero route and name it after Bill Lambeer, who no one really likes. And I can't believe you chose Lambeer over Sean Kemp. However, this week, it's really a no-brainer, despite the fact that Wes Unseld is pretty cool, and we could have named it after him. Dirk is just one of those guys that you have a hard time finding just about anybody, whether from that era or before or after, who's like, no, I hate Dirk Nowitzki. Like, everybody pretty much respects what he brought to the table. So here we go. It's the Dirk episode. It's 41. Let's do this. Man, I'll tell you the thing that I love about Dirk so much is that that dude was literally the franchise like for Mm -hmm. so long. And he was on the team that I think lost in an 8-1 upset uh, in a series. And still was an And and flamed out in the finals, too. Remember, they were up 2-0 on Miami and lost four straight. And still is an NBA champion. And still, after all that heartache and triumph of the playoffs – Everything could have just gone against them and him personally, MVP and world champion Dirk Nowitzki. So this is a very, very well-earned title. Oh, for sure. And he really was, you know, one of the big catalysts. His lone NBA championship is one of my favorite NBA finals ever because that was the first finals for the Heatles. Right. We everybody (laughs) was hating on LeBron, but everybody was really afraid that they were going to be able to back up that six, seven championship talk in year one. And they looked pretty good doing it. Um, And then to meet Dallas in the finals again, you knew there was a revenge factor. But man, the Mavs felt like massive underdogs. And they were they were they they just came out gunslinging, you know, from downtown pages. Stoyakovich, Jason Terry, 
Um, they they had a huge, huge series from three. Dirk was a big part of that. And it seemed like every time Miami was finding anything, J.J. Barea or somebody was knocking down a big tray. Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler also played well in that. Um, it, that that's one of my favorite NBA finals ever because rarely in the NBA – do you get to see the underdog actually win? And rarely do you get to see them dictate the whole series to the the favorites uh, on a level like that. I, I just, I loved it so much. And of course, because they were sticking it to LeBron. And I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was happy that LeBron and Wade did wind up getting a couple championships, but to really get it stuck to them in that first season just felt so good. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, I was uh, I was in college and I was uh, a home for the summer delivering pizzas as I did for several summers. And I remember I would go into gas stations to like, uh, you know, refuel and things like that. And I would catch parts of the game on, like I'd have it recorded at home to watch after the night. Uh, but I was trying to avoid stuff and I couldn't for the most part during that series, uh, when I would walk into the gas stations and such. And I remember like feelings that I was shocked Every time I would look at the score, like every time I would walk into a, a TV being on anywhere and just see that Miami not only wasn't wasn't dominating, they weren't winning. Uh, and Dallas, you're right. When I went back and actually watched the stuff I had recorded, that series was so fun because in an era where it feels like the NBA just preseason you could pick the winner from each conference and put them in the put them in the finals and almost pick that one too this one truly was the underdog coming in and whooping up on the favorite tail and it was and it it's kind of reinvigorating as a sports fan just in general to see that an underdog can do that to a to a to a to a top dog when you know we're so conditioned with the nba being like hey very very top heavy yeah, and the last time we had really seen that um, wasn't all that many years before, but it had been in 2004 when, uh, you know, the Bad Boys 2 Pistons with Chauncey and, and Rip yeah. and Rashid and Ben Wallace and Tayshawn Prince had, you know, kind of kicked the crap out of the Lakers, which the Lakers were such a huge favorite on paper. But then you kind of look back at that series and you go, oh, maybe that wasn't so big of an upset. Um, because they didn't have Carl Malone. The Lakers were without him. Gary Payton was really starting to be, you know, compromised. He was no longer a top-line player. Um, the pieces didn't always fit. You were getting to the end of the Shaq and Kobe era. There was a lot of wheels coming off that train. So in hindsight, it wasn't as big. Um, but whereas Miami, yeah, we, we know that their chemistry wasn't right, and we know they learned a lot from that because, of course, they went to the next three finals and won two of them. But uh, Miami on paper at that point seemed better off. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was just a great surprise and, and so much fun to watch that. But let's move forward and let's talk about what we've seen so far on the season. And of course, got to ask you how your holiday went, where we had the uh, quintuple header. Uh, yes. One of my favorite days yeah. of the year. Can I tell you something? So I, I love gambling on uh, Christmas Day. Uh, it's. The only thing I like to gamble on Christmas Day is that in the last few years since I've been doing it, I do a Christmas Day NBA parlay, 
which is I just I just make a pick from each of the games and hopefully, you know, for a little bit of bucks, I make a few extra bucks. And I had hit the first three games. I had like the Indiana under. I had the Brooklyn minus three. Brooklyn was only minus three, by the way, in that game going into it. Uh, and uh, uh, who was the third game uh, that was? Wasn't that uh, Celtics? No, no, that was the, that was the second game. That was the Brooklyn game where uh, they. Uh, what was that? It's their third game because we hit that one too. And then the one, I, the one we start if wheels started to fall off was uh, thinking that Dallas could hold on against the Lakers at all, and the Lakers just pulled away mightily. And then the Denver matchup didn't even matter at the end of the night. Uh, so that's what I spent most of my Christmas doing. The, the the second the second game was Warriors Milwaukee. That's why we're we're messed up. Oh yes, third, sorry, sorry, third, so third game was Nets yes, Celtics. Yes, that. So, so yes, so I had the Milwaukee over. And then the uh, the the Nets minus minus three. Uh, so my holidays, my Christmas, that's what I do there is I sit in front of the TV and uh, gamble for the NBA because I love the fact that the NBA has made Christmas their like their unofficial official sort of kind of we're not really going steady, but we're totally dating like opening of the season is that they picked a major holiday where we're all at home and said. Let's start the season, and they're going to put big time matchups on there, like they've been doing the last several years. And uh, for the most part, you get pretty good games. There are a couple of uh, stinkers overall. Yeah, season. there were some blowouts, but you I, had I re- star power, right? And and I remember when they first started, you know, toying with this idea. It was a double header, and we thought that was such a big deal. And people were like, "Oh, I can't believe they're putting games on Christmas." And it's like, well, why not? The NFL does it on Thanksgiving, and yeah. You know, uh, college football has New Year's. Why not put a couple games on at Christmas? If you don't want to watch, don't watch it. And for basketball fans, you're right. When you're sitting around and presents have been opened already and, uh, you know, it's great. And that we've ballooned it out to five at some point that felt like overkill, but it really hasn't been. It's been nice because, yeah, some people will sit down and watch all five straight through. But most of the time you just kind of got it on in the background and you get to kind of pick and choose your moments and um, I really enjoy that. Now, a lot of us, especially those in, in East Coast time zone like myself and you, a lot of us don't make it to that late game. Uh, you know, <laughs> starting ten thirty. Oh at yeah, night. And, I have, and I have a newborn. That was a, it was a rough. It was a long night. It was. Well, it was then then you might have been up that late. But. Oh, I got backup. Sure, <laughs> for, for for the ending of the Denver game, but uh, which I think ended like twelve thirty or forty five my time. I think mm-hmm. something like that, which was. Uh, like like that that game was over uh, early anyway, so that that one wasn't much of a contest for for the for out the duration of what, it. What was your what was your favorite game to watch on Christmas? Um, you know what? That is a that's a good question because it's going to lead to my headline of the right. uh, of the first set, set of games. And Brooklyn looks great, man. The Brooklyn Bombers and the Brooklyn Brawlers. I couldn't figure out a good name for them to be most perfect here. And also not take away from a baseball uh, mm-hmm. nickname. I know it's only two games that we've seen so far, but dude, Brooklyn is Brooklyn's intense man. They manhandled the Celtics in Game Two. They mm-hmm. destroyed Golden State uh, in in their first game. Like these weren't even close. I saw Bo Estes, a friend of ours who we've had on the show before yeah. from NBA TV uh, and NBA.com as well, and. He's already tweeted out that they look like they're on all-time trajectory as far as how good that team can be. Now, again, some teams are going to get a chance to adjust to them. But just coming through the first few games, which is all we've got so far, that's a scary-looking team. 
No, I absolutely agree. And, you know, the old saying goes, first impressions are everything. And that's not really true in the NBA most of the time, because through the first couple games, you're going to have outliers. You're going to have players that are resting or injured. Some teams will jump out 2-3-4-0 and then bomb the rest of the season and vice versa. But you're right. First impressions with Brooklyn um, looks pretty sustainable because we're seeing chemistry already. And yes. chemistry is usually something that you build to, but we're seeing players that are on the same page. Um, now, granted, we saw this with the Clippers last year, another team that was stacked in the beginning, and they looked really good early on. But then you got into load management time and you had a lot of players missing and they had all that depth on paper, too. So I think we'd be a little bit remiss to start calling everybody all time champs already, because, again, we've seen paper teams before, but. So far, so good. The ability of guys to move without the basketball is really impressive with them. It reminds me of when Golden State was firing on all cylinders. Um, so much of this depends on the fact that Kevin Durant looks fully back, like he is not playing with any restrictions offensively. He's getting to his spot. He's rising up over people. He's as as deadly and as unstoppable with that wingspan as ever. And of course, he's a phenomenally smart player. But then you have so many other secondary weapons. You've got Landry Shaman and Joe Harris, who are both knockdown shooters. You've got, uh, you know, Torian Prince and Bruce Brown, Spencer Dinwiddie to be able to help on the defensive end. You have another guy in Karis Levert who can not only be a shot maker, but an initiator. Um, and of course, inside, you've got DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen as your dirty work guys. And Kyrie Irving, I, I'm not going to lie. He does look like he's missing a little bit of that fifth gear yet. I, I'm not seeing quite the explosiveness but i am seeing his kind of classic sense of timing and angles and and we know there have been plenty of players you know steve nash comes to mind wasn't always the fastest guy but it was the ability to kind of hit the opening when it was there and yeah. find weird openings and kyrie irving has always been superlative with that so whether that gear is going to come back or whether maybe he doesn't ever get that again because of the injuries is kind of an unknown. Um, but he's still incredibly productive because he's been a knockdown shooter. He's sharing the basketball uh, and he, he has that sense of timing. The big question with Brooklyn, of course, is going to be the health of those two top line stars. Theoretically, though, if one is going to miss some time during the season, it looks like they have enough bodies who are very productive to yeah. be able to keep this team afloat. Yeah, um, so you, you mentioned, I think it was, uh, uh, by the way, Kyrie had 37 against Boston, which is, you know, for someone right. who, and we, by the way, I don't think you're wrong as far as your assessment. It's like, it looks like that there's a little bit missing from him right now as to get, they're going to try to sort of continue to get into the flow of things. Um, but still, he's still able to just be peak playoff contending championship contending Kyrie Irving it's still there somewhere which we're seeing it early in fact you talked about the depth of both of these two teams which is so impressive or not both these two teams but this team and they're both they're both of their first two games against Golden State everybody scored of their 15 uh, members except for one and against Boston everybody scored except for three so like there is so many so many pieces that can be 
helpful and available for this team that early on that depth does look like it's going to be a struggle for some people, even though it's KD and Kyrie essentially carrying the bulk of the load so far, which you expected to be most of the season. But yeah, Levert does it double digits the last couple of games. Uh, Prince has played relatively well. I think he was minus though uh, in uh, in the uh, in the Boston game, so it may not be the best example. Uh, Joe Harris has not been the worst dude out there for him. Uh, yeah, this uh, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to change. I'm, I'm, my, I'm, I'm not going to change my pick after two games uh, for who's going to win the East, but I'm definitely keeping my eyes wide open right now. And I'm seeing Joe Harris do more than just float around the three-point line. That's a huge thing for them, too, in that they've been playing him on the back line defensively. He's been very active as a rebounder. He's put the ball on the deck a little bit more. They've used him as kind of a hockey assist guy through a lot of their uh, sets. And that's a big evolution for him, too. He did a lot of that stuff in college. And then when he got to the NBA level, it's taken him a couple years kind of to find his footing as a shooter. But there's more to his game than that. And like Karis Levert, if you have another guy out there who is capable of putting the ball on the deck, yeah, you don't want him doing that all the time. But as long as he's a threat to do that and you have to tighten up on him, not only because of the shooting, uh, but you have to pay attention, you know, whether you're going to go over or under a screen because he can make you pay. Both him and Levert then just create that much more space for Durant to be able to walk up into one of his, you know, fadeaway jump shots or Kyrie to kind of probe the defense and get it to collapse for those kickouts. Like there's a very symbiotic relationship between those offensive players already. And that again is where I think it's such a huge get to have Mike D'Antoni kind of in their ear about how they want to play free-flowing offense, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a Mike D'Antoni-led team. You can have Steve Nash being, you know, really the the head interpersonal guy, and then hopefully they can play enough defense, which they've shown through the first couple games, too, as a Jacques Vaughn thing. That's where I do think Kyrie Irving may have been onto something at least a little bit where it was like, well, I don't know exactly who our head coach is. That was overstating it. I think the better way to phrase some of that is, look, we've got a really talented coaching staff, and everybody can kind of just find their lane and live within that lane and trust everybody else to be able to do their job and their thing, much like an NFL team has to do with its coordinators. They're set up to do well with that, again, as long as they stay on the same page and everybody is selfless. No, that is uh, that's very true. Um, uh, I, I think what is so interesting about Kyrie is that he's so much better than his mouth allows him to be. Like, he, like you watch him, and like I never want to hear from him again, but I want to watch him play all the time. Like, I, I think he's such a good on the court leader and player that, like, that's all I need from him. That's all I need from him, and we would have such a different, such a different thought. Uh, of what Kyrie Irving was. If we didn't have all this flat earth kind of stuff behind us, we would just think dude's one of the top 10, 15 players in the NBA. A win healthy, of course. You know, on, on the flip side, and I've been the Kyrie Irving apologist don't for three it. episodes now. Please don't do it. No, I, on the flip side, we don't want every player to be Kawhi Leonard either, right? Or Tim Duncan, where they don't say anything. And yeah, there's there's plenty oh, no, of things Kawhi, that... To be fair, Kawhi is like so far one way, it's funny. Right, right. Like he's such an I, I mean, it's it, it's okay to have players that speak their mind, even when you absolutely disagree or it's eye rolling. It's okay to have that mix, and even if you know Kyrie's not making friends most of the time that he does it, there there is something that I respect 
in the fact of he knows he's not going to make any friends by saying it and he doesn't care. He just says it anyway. Um, so I'll give him props for being his own man and not really caring what people think about that. That doesn't mean I agree with the things that he says. And that doesn't mean I always think that it's productive, especially because this is a team sport. And when you talk about wanting to be a good leader and a good teammate and all that stuff, he's had that backfire so many times in his face. So it's a very odd sort of respect that I have for him. And I'm not backing up the things that he says at all. But at the same time, like I said, I don't mind in a cast of characters in the league Somebody like a Kyrie Irving does give us a whole lot of stuff to talk about, right? Love him or hate him. I'm going to need access to your bank accounts just to just to check for the offshore stuff that may be coming from a shell company run by Kyrie Irving's foundation. You're the one who's going to be doing <laughs> Manscaped commercials with him someday. I already spoke that into existence <laughs> last week. LeVar Ball style. You know, uh, Brooklyn was the third highest as far as um, – or the, I guess the third favorite – uh, to get to the NBA Finals uh, out of the East, um, according to many, including DraftKings. Uh, and um, I think that's probably going to get a little bit narrower there for people to make money on uh, after this first week of games. Uh, but uh, if other people want to make a little du- a buckaroo from DraftKings uh, just by, uh, you know, watching Kyrie explode, uh, watching he and Kevin Durant, who looks phenomenal as well uh, in these first two games back. Uh, how uh, how can they do it, Joel? Thanks to uh, help from uh, us and the, uh, the people at the Brawl Network. Well, you got plenty of time, but you don't want to wait too long either because all new players can play for free for the $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's thanks to our partnership with DraftKings and the Brawl Network. Here's how it works. Create your DraftKings DFS account and make a deposit. DraftKings then credits your account with a free contest entry. You draft your lineup. That's the fun part. You complete for millions in prizes. That's the really fun part. Just go to dkng.co slash partner to play. That's dkng.co slash partner. Act quickly. The offer doesn't last forever. It's a minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com for details and uh, you got your headline and it's time for me to get mine i have a feeling that uh these gentlemen are going to be showing up in uh DraftKings rather prominently as well my headline to lead us out is that the los angeles lakers look legit we had you know always minor questions about coming back and are are they going to be able to pick up where they left off they changed out some of their parts including some key players like rajon rondo and dwight howard Um, So you're always wondering about fit a little bit. Of course, there's the rest issue for the Lakers too. But again, two games being what they are, my big takeaways for them is Dennis Schroeder and, and, uh, excuse me, um, Mark Gasol and Montrezl Harrell all look like they absolutely fit. Dennis Schroeder is not only giving them the distributor role that Rajon Rondo vacated and they needed that secondary ball handler who can break down a defense because you don't want to be taxing LeBron James to death, and Alex Caruso can only give you so many minutes doing that. Schroeder breaks down a defense, but his ability to also score, which was something that, hey, if Rondo made a basket here or there, that's icing on the cake. But Schroeder is a guy that you can rely on to get you 15 points per night. They're already talking extensions with Schroeder. He's looked so good in the first couple games. Um, They're starting him instead of Wes Matthews, which I thought was – uh, the right way to go. Montrez Harrell has come in and done Montrez Harrell things. 
And you need that other energy guy because, again, that insulates Anthony Davis and LeBron from having to make so many of the little hustle plays. Uh, Missing Danny Green is a real thing, but Marcus all looks like he can hold down a couple of minutes at that starting center spot, and you're not going to miss out on Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee being gone, despite the positive things those guys gave. It's just a different look from Gasol, but when you need somebody to be a board cleaner, it's Harrell that's able to come in. And I think one of the big beneficiaries of this beyond just LeBron and Anthony Davis is the fact that suddenly Kyle Kuzma, who was like their third scorer last year and did fine enough in that role, suddenly gets to be like, their fifth option, their sixth option, and is going to have so little defensive attention paid to him on a nightly basis, he's going to eat. Because Kuzma is a smart player, and he knows like how to find his spots. He'll force it once he's there. But as a backdoor cutter uh, and a guy who just can make baskets, uh, he's always impressed me since he came out of college with the Lakers. He's, he's been one of my sneaky favorites to watch, even though I know a lot of Lakers fans kind of start gnashing their teeth at him sometimes because he'll make some stupid plays. But I think he's going to just – he's going to beast off this. Were you worried at all when you saw their opening night action against uh, the Clippers in, in that uh, that game and turned it to an L? Because they went back and took on mm-hmm. Dallas and then uh, pulled away from them pretty pretty comfortably. But were you were, were you a little surprised at, at how that game went? It was a good game. Uh, were you surprised? Because uh, you think they look good, and there, there's a lot to say that. But uh, they split their first two. They did. Um, but again, I, I put a lot of stock in the Clippers. I know as of our taping right now, they're getting blown out by like 10 zillion points <laughs> yeah, to the Dallas They're Kawhi Leonard lists. And by the time that this airs, this will be a big headline with the Clippers. But full strength, you know, through the first couple of games, I, I put a lot of stock into what the Clippers did. And that's a title fight. I don't expect the Lakers to win every single one, especially first game of the season. But uh, to me, it's looking at the individual parts and how they're fitting. It's not so much the record at this time. Um, And we know, like, LeBron's going to be load managed. We know Anthony Davis is like, Anthony Davis isn't going to play Sunday night against the Timberwolves, probably because it's a back-to-back. Timberwolves are coming off a back-to-back. That seems like a winnable game for the Lakers, even though Minnesota's 2-0. And you're going to see them do that. But... I I just like what I'm seeing out of that group so far, the way they're pushing the pace. Um, I just give respect to the Clippers for playing a tough game and probably with some revenge on their mind too and getting that first one. But, um, you know, I I like what I see out of Los Angeles. I'm content with what I've seen out of the Bucs so far. We're talking some of our, you know, other contenders. I'm content with what I've seen out of Miami. I think Mm -hmm. they're going to be right where they were. I'm a little concerned with Boston, but it's so early that – we don't even really know what we're looking at. And some of these teams have had tough opening matches where they could have gone either way. So yeah, let me get to a couple of those if you don't yeah. mind. Um, but first, let me add, since we're on the Lakers and we'll move on, uh, LeBron was named the AP male athlete of the year. Does that make sense to you? I mean, yes. Based on his season that he had, I mean, a lot of it could be the fact that he brought a championship not completely on his back, but very, right. very much so with his uh, very strong determination and talent. Uh, brought a title back to Los Angeles. Uh, but, uh, you know. I mean, I, fourth, time he's, fourth time he's won the award. It's hard to make the case that he was more valuable to the Lakers than Anthony Davis in the NBA Finals. Um, but I understand. To me, these awards 
are so subjective. Was there anybody else that really like jumped out in other sports that kind of captured everything this year? Well, it was such a truncated and stilted year where you didn't get full seasons or they were split seasons and the Lakers ability to kind of soldier through that. And you can make the case that Anthony Davis never shows up to Los Angeles without LeBron being there. So am I against it? No. Do I put much stock into that type of an award? Not really. Um, you know, sure, it, it's it's LeBron, and he's on pace. He's tracking down Jordan in a different way. Um, there's never going to be certain people who will ever give LeBron the same sort of respect that they give MJ. That's fine. There's the old guard, as we've talked about, who never gave MJ the same sort of respect that they gave Kareem or Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell. You know, fine. That's, that's your choice. But LeBron is... The player of this era. Joe, let me ask uh, you. Let me, no. I mean, it's, it, you're you're on that. You're on that. You're you're on a perfect tangent here, just for funsies. You know NBA Twitter and Facebook and everything as much as anybody else in these discussions. If LeBron ever got seven, would it still be MJ for those people? Some yeah. Some people would find a reason. They would yeah. say, "Well, MJ was six and zero." LeBron yep, that, had to bounce. Yeah. LeBron had to bounce around to different teams to do it. Which, of course, the other side of the coin is no. LeBron has taken multiple championships and multiple players, multiple franchises, and made that happen. Like that's not something to denigrate him for. That is a huge accomplishment, and that is a way he differentiates himself from Jordan. Um, it, it's the to me, it's the same thing where people are like, oh well. Jordan's untouchable. Um, okay, well, you know, Kareem did it with multiple teams at multiple points in, in his age and the production that he did. And people are like, well, Jordan came back and won three championships after yeah. he left. It's like, yeah, but he also left. Like, we can't – you can't sit there and say, well, Jordan would have won eight championships if he had stayed. Jordan didn't get, did not get kicked out of the league as far as we know. He chose to leave. He chose to leave championships on the table – I don't think he regrets that because he he liked the baseball experience and more power to him. But we can't use that as like a crutch for Jordan and then use that same sort of logic against everybody else. It doesn't make any sense. That's what's the best about sports debates is that we will literally use that exact debate and exact reasoning to make our argument against someone and then for another person. <laughs> it's and, my favorite part. It's my favorite part of arguments. You know, and, and Ray LaBov, the founder of Basketball Intelligence, who's been, on, been on our show before. He's just one of the luminaries of the sport um, because he's been around literally, and he'll blush at me saying this uh, because, yes, he is old. Uh, <laughs> but he's he's been around since the beginning of the NBA. And when you talk to somebody who has been able with their own eyes in person to have watched Wilt and Kareem and Michael Jordan and LeBron, the wisdom that that he brings to the table really should shut the rest of us younger generations up. It's stop trying to find the greatest overall. The game is so different. Let's talk about the greatest of their generation. And suddenly this argument gets a lot simpler and we can just walk away satisfied that you know, Wilt and, and Bill Russell are the greatest of that early generation. Kareem is the greatest of the 70s into the early 80s. MJ is the greatest of the 80s through 90s, and that's not taken away from anything that Larry Bird and Magic Johnson did 
uh, as kind of like the prophets who brought the game back. And LeBron has been the greatest of this generation spanning multiple decades now. Like, we don't have to take it any further than that because we don't have to diminish what somebody else did in their time, in their place, in an NBA that was what it was at that time. Like, we don't have to diminish that just because we're searching to elevate the guy that we like today or, you know, our nostalgia glasses are on and we don't want to give that up. You know, and, and here's the one reason why I hate having the LeBron versus Michael debate. Um, every time we do, even if we were to have the greatest of this generation kind of debate, we forget so many names just because we want to focus on two that were just phenomenal basketball players. Like we'll have we'll, we'll have LeBron versus MJ debates, but we will just take forever to even think of Tim Duncan. Uh, or it, like there's just so many guys that we'll just not talk about because we're mm. focused on two dudes being the greatest when like we really should just kind of be appreciating how great some of this basketball is that we're seeing. Right yeah, now. let's let's just talk. Uh, and again, some some people will be out there and be like, oh, don't get all touchy feely about this. We got to figure out who the greatest is. Well, no, we don't. What? That's what yeah, we got to do for, and that's easy. Yeah, and and at the same time, let's just to me, it's always been let's talk about what we love. I there are teams that have been obscure. I mean, they're hanging up in my my basement bar right now as I tape. Um, teams that I loved who won forty four games in a season. Right, they weren't the greatest at anything, but I appreciated what they did. I liked watching them. I liked the underdog. You know, I I I can talk about my respect for Kobe Bryant, even though he is one of the players that I hated the most, yeah. you know, during his career, he was always so that type of a foil. That. You know, he was always a type of a foil and it's not just because he's passed away that all of a sudden I got warm and fuzzy about, you know, what he brought to the game. It's in that hindsight where you go, man, I hated when any team I liked had to play him because he was a straight-up killer on the court. And it was the same way I felt about Jordan during his time as well. Um, so there's the players I love. There's the players I dislike. That doesn't mean I don't respect what they did. You yeah, know? I respected what they did. I hated their guts. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health, Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. 
Let's talk today. Uh, they, they, they constantly you got an AI jersey. Alan Al Iverson jersey looks like behind you. Uh, that that Sixers team wasn't too bad, and then got uh, rolled in the finals. And you know, I, Iverson, I Iverson, about that Sixers team. Oh, and, and you know what? While we've been on this this uh, talk about Kyrie for three weeks, to me, there's the perfect the the perfect bridge because Iverson was kind of that guy. Right. During that generation of the media jumped on every little thing he said. Sometimes he said some pretty silly things where he should have known they were going to jump on it. And then he was flabbergasted that people would have a problem with it. Um, he didn't always help himself and he wasn't always likable. I, I was not an Allen Iverson fan necessarily, but like you talked about with Kyrie, when he got on the court, man, did he put on a show? Yeah. You know, and, and and you could not take anything away from the way that that guy worked, the way he fought, the way he got in people's faces. He did not back down. And there's just been that level of respect over time where it's like, yeah, I didn't always like everything he did, but I'm really appreciative that I got a chance to watch him play. And that's been my feeling with Kyrie and any number of players too, that um, Kyrie is one of the best basket attackers and ball handlers that I've ever seen like bar none and his ability to just play ballet in the lane as a smaller player um, and to play at so many different like altitudes um, in the lane. If you can think about it that way, where he he's not always up at the rim. He may be six inches off the ground, nine inches off the ground, 15, whatever. But like to be able to attack at all these different levels is what I really appreciate as a longtime student of the game. And there's so many different players, like like you've said, who maybe they were an all-star once. Maybe they were an all-star a couple times. Like one of my favorite players, and I know we've gone off onto a huge t- tangent, but that's kind of what the show is about. You know, one of my favorite players of all time was Jason Williams from the Nets. Ah, like, white you chocolate, know, baby. You know, uh, no, 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 not, not Jason oh, not Williams that. from the Kings. That's- Jason oh, okay. Williams, the uh, uh, unfortunately, I got to say this, the the manslaughterer who is going to prison for shooting. Oh, his... Come on, are you really going to give me manslaughterer, Jason uh, Williams over what? Oh, you? No, no, I, no. I I love Jason White Chocolate Williams from the Kings. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I you know I'm just talking obscure guys that okay. like I think we all have those type of players. Jason Williams was just a phenomenal rebounder for the Sixers and the Nets during the '90s and had his career cut short by a broken leg. Um, but that was a guy where, like, every year you looked in the box score or, or the uh, the statistical standings, and Rodman was always number one in rebounds. And right behind him was Jason Williams, like right behind him for a stretch of a few years. Never got the respect that Rodman got, and yet he was doing the same thing and was a better offensive player than Rodman. Not as good defensively, but, uh, you know, so players like I that. I can't believe we were – so close to being on a good tangent with uh, white chocolate, and then you had to throw in <laughs> the manslaughterer himself, Jason. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I'm, on, sure, I'm sure you got your white chocolate stories too. Like, I don't you know, have those... murderers as my favorite players. I don't I like, like him because of that. It turned out that somebody I liked had some unfortunate post career issues, and you're OJ Simpson. <laughs> that, one, that one I do not have, but you know those Sacramento Kings teams of all time are, are just one of my favorites to watch as a passing group, and they got absolutely shafted by the referees in their their matchup with the Lakers, as did the Portland Trailblazers before them. But 
you know, that's an entire show for a different time, I suppose. We, we should probably get back to talking about like what okay. we're seeing in this season. <laughs> Maybe. Minutes, but I mean, that's that's what the show is about. It's a celebration. Maybe. I don't know. Jolt over here acquitting guys of uh, felonies. I like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joel, um, James Harden's back, huh? Uh, James Harden, who had to test negative, I think, four straight times to even jo- rejoin the team was not disciplined other than a fine by the NBA for his, uh, I'm just going to say, nudie bar recklessness <laughs> that, that he displayed before the season and his lack of wanting to come back, was back Saturday night and then dropped 44 on some fools, almost single-handedly beat Portland. Now, again, Houston loses that game despite In a monster. In overtime. By two points, a monster effort from Harden, a monster effort from Christian Wood. I think he had like 31 and 13. Both of those guys played 40 plus minutes. But again, you look at that and go, okay, they're without John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Gordon, (laughs) uh, and at least one other guy. Why? Because all of those guys now have to sit and pass protocols and it all goes back to Harden's recklessness yeah so yeah I give James Harden props and I hope he plays that way the whole time as you and I talked about like a week or two ago it is in Harden's best interest to absolutely ball out to put the Rockets on his back get them as far as he can go and build up his trade value so that people go, yeah, this is a player in his prime who wants to win. He's not being a knucklehead. That's in Harden's best interest. Getting in trouble before the season even starts, not in your best interest because the the more difficult you make it for your franchise to trade you, the less you're going to get what you want to be gone. So if you want them to be professional and move you, when you technically, by NBA rule, technically you cannot demand a trade, at least not publicly, um, but you want them to be professional, you got to hold up your end of the bargain, which, again, is stuff the stat sheet, but get some W's for the Rockets here early, build up attractive trade packages for yourself. There's going to be that many more suitors. You're going to have your pick of the litter, and you're going to wind up in a better situation that way than if the only people who are sniffing around for that sort of trade are desperate also rands who are maybe willing to overpay to get you, but you're not going to go anywhere with them either. You can build up an extremely attractive trade package with the lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped, baby. That's right. I knew this is where you were going. I knew it. That's right. Uh, James Harden's package is fine as far as I can tell, Uh, but if you want yours to be looking a little more attractive, Joel, when's the last time you treated your wife to a little bit of uh, shrubbery uh, neatness, huh? Like, you, you didn't just stop with the dating days, did you? A gentleman never tells. Oh, well, ain't no gentleman on this show because uh, men's hygiene has a brand new standard. It's Manscaped. The Lawnmower 3.0 is as good as it gets when it comes to shaving your balls. You don't want to have any cuts, any snags, and any nicks, despite the double jersey incident, uh, on your gonads. That's bad. Bad, bad news. The the lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and has an LED light on it, just in case you like to do it in the dark. It is a game changer. You can go right now and get 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and use the promo code BRAWL, B-R-A-W-L. That's BRAWL over at manscaped.com where you get 20% off just by using that 5 
beautiful letter promo code B-R-A-W-L. That's manscaped.com and keep your sack looking good. That's that's Arky Shea, everybody, with the 12-year-old's thesaurus sitting in front of him as uh, he looks for every synonym he can find. But <laughs> I, I salute I salute you, and your segue was spot on this week. Thank you. First of what we did. Now, now you mentioned, I, I'm going to segue from that, you mentioned the Knicks and the yeah. double jersey incident, and I know that was something you wanted to talk about. Your yeah. Knickerbockers are 0-2. We probably shouldn't even be giving them any airtime whatsoever, but... We, we got to give you a little bit of chance to vent here. You've seen Tom Thibodeau through two games. You saw R.J. Barrett struggle the other night, and you saw, I think it was Reggie Bullock, right, who turned into two different players in one game. Like, that's something you don't see every day. Well, the stupid thing is that Reggie Bullock's jersey on the front, number on the front of his jersey was right, so he just put it on, but the number on the back of the jersey was wrong. So that's weird like i don't blame him for i guess you're supposed to just look at both front and back of your jersey just to be paying attention to it because you know the next why would you ever think you you should but why <laughs> would you ever think to do it that's one of those things that like you just trust would be there like hey today when i go out onto the floor the basket stanchion will be there you know like that's i don't right. have to wonder and go look hey did they bolt that down or not Right. It looks like they've attached nets today. Good. We were we were wondering if they were going to do that today, and they did do that. Thankfully, uh, they've taken care of that here at the arena. Uh, like I wanted to say, it was even road team sabotage against the, by the Sixers, but the Knicks were the home team. So you know, that's all the Knicks. That's all on the Knicks. They got many multimillionaires who are just. Waiting to get the right jersey number on the front and back, and how do you even get a jersey with a with the like two different numbers on the front and back? Like, how does it even work? How much do you think a rabid Knicks fan, and there still are are dozens of you left, um, but it's such a big fan base and fairly well off too. How much do you think somebody would be willing to pay for the the double number jersey as just like something incredible to hang? in their man cave or you know or or their bar or whatever like that's that's got to turn into just like a jordan number 12 jersey you know i i I, well like for me if it was kevin knox it'd be so much more valuable but uh if it's going to be mr bullock i'm going to pay upwards to 65 bucks for it Uh, i know that's less than what a normal jersey cost uh, out of the store but somebody's gonna find that Someone with real money. By the way, if I was if I was Reggie, I'd keep it because I just think that's kind of a cool piece of uh, my, my career that happened. Just a weird footnote. Um, but someone would pay, would pay thousands of dollars for that because it's you know it, it's unique. It has a different story, and I think that's when you're paying for jerseys. If you don't just want to dress like the dude, then you're looking for somebody that looks good or has a good story. And I think that has a great story, and it's a good looking jersey for the most part. For the, it, for the it, most part it, it does create a weird way of how would you display it? You know, because normally you hang a jersey <laughs> in a frame <laughs> or whatever, and you got to pick your side. But this, you're gonna need like you hang it like a wood those- chime. Yeah, like one of those 3D <laughs> guitar cases, you know, that's a, a cylinder or something like that. To oh, that's true. Like, it the, like a hard rock cafe or something. Yeah, like the like. Oh, I was I was thinking the uh, the earring case at like uh, Claire's or something like that, way you can rotate it around and just with your own hand, just swing it. Just like, oh, look at that. that's the side view. That's the back view. Twenty five there, twenty three there. Uh, okay, I wanted to end with this. Um, 
who is the more surprising start of the season? Again, we're recording this on Sunday, so there's lots of stuff happening, like the Clippers, who were 2-0, and taking on the 0-2 Mavericks. That's going to definitely change because one team was curb-stomping the other. Uh, but Denver is 0-2, uh, and Golden State is 0-2. But Golden State they had a bit of a murderer's row to start the season. So, so who do you think the more surprising 0-2 team is? Because maybe I'm also thinking Denver because I picked them to go to the finals. Uh, but uh, give me your thoughts, Joel. Denver has had some games slip away. Um, and again, this early in the season, I'm not going to lie. It's it's hard to have watched everybody every single game. Yeah, because um, everyone's I, I, it's been like everybody's playing every night kind of thing. Like it's been kind of tough. Right. And and for me, I love the NBA. I try to check out as many teams as I can, especially early in the season. I just kind of bounce around as much as I can. But you still are a fan of like your your couple of teams or your one team. And I'm a Timberwolves fan. So I've spent my time watching their first two games and then tried to get everybody. And I've only seen snippets of the Nuggets. Um, I, I know they've they've let some close ones slip away or games that they yeah, should they, have they been. Drop, they drop one to the, uh, to the Kings. Uh, right. One to, Kings are two and oh, by the way, uh, it's been a long time. They are. And I, I did get to see the end of that Kings game and the Kings executed and Denver didn't, it just kind of came down to that. Yeah. And then they, it was an amazing final segment where Harrison Barnes um, attacks the basket, flips it up. And then uh, who followed up behind him? Was it De'Aaron Fox or Heald? One one of their guys was able – Harrison Barnes gets a steal, tries to dunk it. The dunk gets blocked, and right there at the buzzer um, is the tip, and I think it might have been Heald, um, was able to just tip it right before yeah, the buzzer. So that one, could have gone, that one could have gone either way, but Denver, again, on paper, shouldn't let it get to that. No, that's true. And again, that was a, a matchup that went to uh, overtime. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they dropped a 13-point uh, decision to the Clippers, who, as we've said until today, uh, were uh, were unbeaten and looking really good to start the, the season. So Denver is 0-2, but Golden State, the start of their season, whew, like it, it's not been good, but also, to be completely fair to, uh, to Golden State, They've also had a couple of really good teams that they played. The Nets beat them, beat the crap out of them, and so did Milwaukee. And like th- those are just and, and that, the teams you're going against. It's it's hard, but they also got curbed in both of those. And that's the unfortunate fruit of their legacy, you know, in that they're a, a prime team. They're coming back from a horrendous year. Everybody wants to see Steph when the schedule is being made. We didn't know that Clay Thompson was going to be out for the whole year. Um, Draymond Green has not been back yet, so they are understaffed. Um, Kelly Ubra has had about the worst possible beginning to an NBA season that you could have. I have not looked directly at his stats, but he's something like, you know, five for 35 from the floor in the first two games um, and hasn't been able to do much else. And he's had good looks. They're just not going in. NBA averages usually fix themselves over time. So he's probably due here pretty quickly to have a couple of big games. Andrew Wiggins has had some good segments where you go, okay, he's competing. He's making some defensive plays. He's hit the boards. He's doing more than just kind of floating around haphazardly looking for buckets, but he hasn't done enough to really impact the game. I have, I've been okay with what I've seen out of some of their depth pieces, but in order for golden state to really have a chance they need Draymond Green back. Now Marquise Chris is out for the rest of the year with a, a broken ankle. Yeah. Um, so Kevon Looney is going to have a lot asked of him. Um, I think without Clay, 
without Chris, you know, I talked about them as a dark horse team, as a contender. I think they would have needed Clay Thompson to really be that. That's still a playoff team in my mind. And I will say this. James Wiseman looks like he is going to give them a boost. The energy that's there, the athleticism, um, he's already got like the DeAndre Ayton, David Robinson, like NBA ready body. Um, and, and he's got a little bit of a jump shot too. Like I've been pleasantly surprised, like with Ayton, you know, big guys like that, you wonder whether they can consistently hit the mid range and he's confidently had good form on that. He's hit the glass, but He's a rookie. He hardly got to play in camp or preseason. He hardly got to play last year at Memphis. So he still is making some dumb decisions uh, or inexperienced decisions, I guess you should say, in rotations and that sort of thing. And that's where they really just need Draymond back. Like Draymond is the quarterback of the defense. And Draymond is one of the best players, I think, of all time of making up for people's mistakes and covering up for them, like just being everywhere to be able to poke a ball away or make the right rotation or somehow be able to cover two, three people at once and just know the exact angles on that. And again, Draymond's coming back from quite a few injuries, so we'll see where he's at there. But when he is on the floor, he is going to make the job so much easier for James Wiseman and Weissman's going to make that so much easier for Draymond because Draymond doesn't have to suddenly be the shot blocker and the long-armed guy and be everywhere at once. He can yet the young let the young pup go do some of that stuff above the rim and make those athletic plays, and he's going to be the smart one. You know, they're going to be able to play good cop, bad cop defensively, and they just need to get healthy and get them there. So I know Warriors fans are panicking and they think the Uber thing was a bust and, you know, Andrew Wiggins needs to be traded right away. Like just give it some time. You know, if they start out two and eight, then come to me and let's talk, but we need to get Draymond back. All right. Before we get out of here, um, little preview what's coming up this week. Trailblazers take on the Lakers. That's in La La Land coming up on Monday night. That's going to be uh, pretty neato. On Tuesday, you got the Raptors at the 76ers. The 76ers who, you know, had to beat a really good team in New York uh, this weekend. Uh, just It's it's tough. You know, they, they, they had to beat a team in New York. Joel, what are you doing, man? A, a you team. Doing? You <laughs> uh, already told me during Manscaped that we didn't need any Knicks. So. All right, that's fair. Milwaukee is at uh, Miami, also on Tuesday. New Orleans is at Phoenix. Phoenix, really excited to see what they start ro- uh, rounding into uh, coming up uh, this week. Uh, maybe the Nuggets get a win against the Kings on Tuesday uh, as well. The Hawks take on the Nets in a game on Wednesday that may score 300 points. And the uh, Hawks are 2-0 and as well. You, you talk about like teams that you're excited to see that you haven't checked out yet. I have yet to spend much time with Atlanta. They're on my list coming up next. Caught a little bit of Portland. I like what I see out of them so far. Caught some Philadelphia time and New Orleans. Very happy there. But you're right. Phoenix is another one that I, I, I'm I want, excited to watch them in the Grizzlies. John Morant is balling to start the season here. Yeah, I was just at, about to mention the uh, the Grizzlies take on the Celtics on Wednesday night as well for a, a, an interesting matchup in uh, in Beantown. So uh, a, good games coming up this week. Uh, I'm also also other teams playing, but those are a few headliners uh, coming up before we talk to you again next time. Uh, but Joel, until next time, I think we should say goodbye to the good people and tell them thanks, fool. We're thankful for them being on the BBA, especially on a week when we now have two episodes coming out. 
Yeah, tell a friend, uh, tell a ton of them if you got them. Thanks to the Brawl Network for uh, putting things together. And like Dirk Nowitzki's career, this has been a long and winding episode. Number 41 is in the books. We'll see you next time. Bye, Dirk. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit